Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about pretty and pink. I'm Alexa Rayhack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Micah Silver, and I'm a child care provider, and I use they, them pronouns. Today we are talking about some kind of wonderful John Hughes follow-up to Pretty in Pink, which is just gender-swapped Pretty in Pink, but with a worse ending. And it's set in L.A. instead of Chicago. Finally not set in Chicago. I love Chicago, but it was a nice break. The plot of this movie is literally Pretty in Pink. You know, boy from the wrong side of the tracks falls for rich popular girl and pursues her to the dismay of his best friend who is secretly in love with him not so secretly in love with him and who also is definitely a lesbian or a trans man yeah there's something gay going on you can follow us on twitter at anthro267 you can email us comments and or recommendations at anthropologyofgirlhood at gmail.com please leave a review and rate on apple podcasts And as always, thank you and enjoy. It's weird that you can get to like a certain level of like rich and powerful and influential to where you can make a movie be upset about how you had to edit it to make it end and then out of spite make an entirely different movie just to make it with the ending that you wanted. Is this why this reminded me so much of Pretty in Pink? Yes, because it's literally Pretty in Pink. John Hughes was mad because Ducky and Molly Ringwald don't end up together in the end because Tess audiences fucking hated that. Yeah. So he literally just made this movie and swapped the genders so that he could have the the Pretty in Pink that he wanted. Gross. Yeah. That's real gross. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. That's just... And it does... It feels like one of these, like, nerd best friend guys, like, writing self-insert fan fiction. It really does. About how all everyone should end up with them after all, and, like, all of their gross pining and watching, like, should be rewarded for some reason. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. I don't think I would get along with John Hughes that well. Yeah, well, he's dead. So um, you don't have to worry about that. That's the, <laughs> that's the best news I've heard all week. You don't have to get along with him. He's no longer with us. Yeah, I really care about any of these characters they're yeah. not super like interesting or complex i don't know i like keith as a protagonist better than i have liked almost any of the protagonists that's true like i like him better than any of the molly ringwalds we've ever had that is very true and like maybe it's the like tomboy girl drummer thing but i really do like Watt. but that's again because like she reads as gay yeah i like the idea of Watt, but the clingy best friend who martyrs themselves and their feelings over yeah. letting their friend be happy kind of it's pretty gross i mean although yeah. that is like another classic um another classic lesbian move of it the is. like i have a crush on my best friend but I have to get, I don't know that that's what it is, so I have to get, like, really clingy and defensive anytime they are in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a shared experience yeah. from a lot of us. <laughs> 
Yeah. I I mean, for a John Hughes movie, this movie was really gay. Yeah. And, like, his movies tend to be kind of gay without realizing it. Yeah. But, yeah, this movie's very gay. And I think it's something about setting it in L.A. versus Chicago. Right. I think that has something to do with it. It just feels like, and weirdly, there's, like, pink and green neons, like, all over this whole movie. There are. It's in a way that's, like, very 80s and specifically very, like, 80s in L.A. Yeah. I really liked the setting for this one. Yeah. It was nice to get out of Shermer, Illinois for a fucking minute. It really was. (laughs) It was very nice to take a break and realize that there are other places in the world. Right. Yeah. And especially because, like, so rarely in his movies do we get a view of, like, working class people. Right. And... You know, even like Molly Ringwald and Pretty in Pink, like she's supposed to be kind of poor, but she still lives in the like fancy, you know, North Chicago suburb right. anyway. So, yeah, I, I wrote like when we first see Keith like walking on the train tracks, I wrote, oh, we know this character is poor because he has dirt smudged all over him. <laughs> classic sign. Yeah. This is also a classic rom-com movie that could have been fixed if you just talked about your feelings. Right, by just everybody talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. It really annoys me. Yeah, it just feels like, yeah, this whole movie would have been circumnavigated if at any point... Anyone had a conversation. Anyone had a conversation. And yeah, there's a moment at the end where when Keith and Watt finally get together where he's like, why didn't you say anything? And she's like, you didn't ask. Like... You shouldn't have to be prompted and goaded into telling your best friend your feelings. No. You should be comfortable telling your friends your feelings. Yeah. And if you're not, then they're not very good friends. If you aren't comfortable talking about your feelings with someone, you should not be dating them. Right. Like, come on. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre to me. And like, Jesus Christ. It's just so funny to me how much of like dating culture and especially straight dating culture as portrayed in movies is just like trickery and deception with the express purpose of avoiding having honest conversations about your feelings. It really freaks me out. It seems like so much more work. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like you would ever be satisfied or feel, like, secure in a relationship because you're always playing games and trying to, like, manipulate your partner rather than working with your partner. Yeah, it doesn't seem healthy. It does not. Are you okay, straight people? I don't think so. I don't think they are. Because, I mean, we already know that they don't think they need to like their spouse. Yeah, that's pretty upsetting. That's terrifying to me. Like. You should definitely like the people that you are involved with. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know how John Hughes has such a, or how these movies that he writes have such like a perfect laser eye on queer fashion. I have no idea how he does it. Was it just an 80s thing? This Watt character is like so clearly gay in the same way that Ducky and Pretty in Pink is like, So obviously gay. Yeah. Is it just because queers have reclaimed 80s fashion or was John Hughes ahead of his time? Yeah. 
Or is it just a way to poke fun at gay people and make someone look like an outsider by dressing them like a gay person? That is also a contributing factor, that isn't is it? That is immediately what I thought about it. Yeah. Because I'm cynical. Like well, and also we have the whole scene where she get, where uh, Watts gets super upset because they call her a lesbian. Right. And not to victim blame, but have you seen you? Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. I was. I have this pet theory that Watt is in fact a trans man. Oh, absolutely. I can see that 100%. Who is gay for Keith. Absolutely. Yeah, which is why the whole like weird scene in the because there's this like super gay scene in the locker room early in the movie where Watt is like examining uh, Leah Thompson's character um, Amanda. Amanda, and it's like un. It's like I mean it's it's very very gay. It's so gay, and it's very much like in that realm of like as a trans masked person of going like is that is, what i'm supposed to thrive for right is like, that really it is, yeah i don't fit that and that doesn't feel right yeah um but yeah i can totally see watts as a trans mask and they're so fucking gay for their best friend yeah it's, clearly and they don't know how to set any boundaries yeah this is again like another movie about like how you would be so much happier and healthier if you set some healthy boundaries like this whole date scene thing at the end where it's like why you're just making yourself miserable this is literally like self-flagellation right you volunteered to drive the person you have a major crush on and another girl around all night watching them flirt because because you hate yourself and you want to see yourself miserable. Which is honestly, like, a thing that a lot of young queers do because of, like, internalized, you know, homophobia. Yep, that's very, Of, very like, true. you have to be miserable and pining after people you can't have because you're gay. And that is the, you know, that's the lot in life for all gay people. Is yeah. To just be... You know, miserable and unrequited. That's true. That was a hard one to unlearn. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. That was. Well, it sucks. Like when all of the media, when the only time you ever see yourself portrayed is either as a villain going after someone who is clearly heterosexual and in a heterosexual relationship or you're in a tragic relationship where one or both of you has to die. You aren't given a lot of options. Right. It becomes difficult to picture yourself having, like, a happy, trusting, mutual relationship. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Which we can talk about when we make Are the Gays Okay? Because we are not. not. (laughs) We are absolutely not. All of us need to be in therapy. Everyone needs to be in therapy. Therapy for all! And this... This morning detention thing. Morning detention is just cruel and unusual punishment. I wrote in my notes, oh yeah, because teenagers notoriously get too much sleep in the morning and really need to get to school an extra hour earlier so they can be punished. You know who else needs to get to school an hour earlier? Teachers. Teachers, yeah. Teachers definitely need to get there an hour before the school day starts to watch a bunch of teenagers. Right. Jesus fucking Christ. It feels like um, John Hughes has like a knack for making up new ways to like torture children unnecessarily. Right. All day Saturday detention, morning detention. Like what is going on? You know you were allowed to have fun as a kid, right? I don't think. 
that they know that no you're allowed to have fun as a kid that's like the whole point i mean truly i think there was a primary philosophy in parenting for a long time that the point of children is for them to not be children as fast as possible that's such a stupid It's for them to be like adults who can handle themselves so that they don't have to be parented anymore. If you don't want to parent children, don't, don't have, have children. children. It's 100% easier not to have kids. Yeah. Like. So much easier. What do you think having a kid would be like? I'm so glad that we actually are treating children like human beings now. Yeah, right? What a concept. Yeah, speaking of the parents in this movie, like, the only parent we really get is Keith's dad. Oh, boy. Keith's dad. Yeah. Which, like, I don't know. I kind of struggle with this because I do think that children do need an amount of, like, encouragement and pushing to... Do things. Accomplish things and put themselves out of their comfort zone in a way that they probably wouldn't on their own. Yep. Humans do need to be pushed out of our comfort zone But a lot. this is another one of those situations where if these two characters had had a conversation about like, hey, dad, I appreciate what you're doing. I get your impulse for wanting me to be successful, but this just isn't. This, this isn't just me, isn't me. It's not where I'm going. It's not where my life is headed. Then we could have avoided this whole movie. <laughs> right? This whole movie, again, could have been solved with a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I do appreciate that Keith's principal or whatever was trying to stick up for him and was like, he was interested in art schools. Like, yeah. you know, and really like understood like where his passion and his interest lay yeah and to like you know have a parent who's like no 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 you he can't do what he wants to do that's yeah. a dumb decision i just think this like college pressure and really it's more like financial success pressure it is is such a toxic trait in our culture and in in parents i think in particular it's like it sucks that we live in a society where it's more important to prioritize being able to achieve a high enough standard of living over, like, your happiness and fulfillment as a human being. Right? Right? Like, that's not okay. Yeah, that feels really bad. That feels really bad. And it, yeah, it just feels like a bad message about how, like, you know you shouldn't be happy and you shouldn't ever expect to be happy or fulfilled. Right. Or maybe if you're really lucky and you work for 40 years, then you can be happy for a handful of years before you die. Right. Yeah, it's it's really ridiculous. And, like, I can understand wanting your kid to go to college and do better than your where you ended up if totally. you aren't happy in your life. But also, like, instead of putting all that pressure on your kid to do better, make your life better. Right. Work on yourself. Don't yeah. put it all on your teenage child to make everything better for you. Right. Or help your kid be better in ways that are beneficial regardless of what life path they get into right yeah. like if you want to see your kid be more successful than you get them in therapy get yeah. them in counseling get them to a career counselor who can help them 
move toward a career that they find interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you're never going to make your kids successful by trying to turn them into you, but more successful. Like, it's never going to work that That's way. That's not how kids work. No. They're not just tiny you. No. They're tiny thems. Yeah. And you got to help them figure out who that is. Yeah, and again, like, this, this movie, uh, maybe more than Pretty in Pink, does feel like a movie that is kind of about figuring out who you are and being able to communicate that clearly to the people around you. Yeah, it really does. Because, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people in this movie, like, not not acting in line with how they want people to perceive them necessarily yeah. or, you know, actively lying about who they are in order to... I don't... Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of putting on a show for other people in this movie. Yeah. And it's not something like, it's just, it doesn't seem appealing to put all of that effort in, into being something, something that you're not. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know I used to. Right. Yeah. I was like, I mean, yeah, we both spent a lot of time putting a lot of energy into some shit that we were not. To appease some other people. And, like, not doing that anymore has been the best decision of my life. Yeah, exactly. And so I just can't it's, stand it in anyone else. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, yeah, maddening to see happen in media. It's like, you could just be yourself. Just be honest with yourself and the universe. And you, maybe you could actually be happy for five minutes. You'd be surprised. There is so much stalking in this movie. It's uncomfortable. It's so unsettling. And there's a lot of stalking in John Hughes movies in yeah. general. Yeah. And we already know that John Hughes has issues with boundaries because a lot of his characters have issues with boundaries. Yeah. Mixed with how much stalking is in his movies. It feels it, like a red flag. It feels like a big ass red flag. Yeah. Like... It is not romantic to stare at a girl across the classroom and draw her. No. It's creepy. And the fact that he takes her to the art museum where there's a painting of her that he painted without her knowledge. Yeah. That's a big That's move. uncomfortable. That's really uncomfortable. You, you're doing too much, my guy. Sweet. This is like, I'm going to wear your skin later behavior. Right? This is bad. This is real bad. You you gotta chill out. Yeah, you gotta. I, I know. You gotta give I, people space. Yeah, like you literally asked her out. Well, she you thought she was in a relationship. Yeah, that feels weird, right? Oh, it feels super gross. It's like monogamous people will talk shit about us. Like, oh, how can you date two people at the same time while also watching these movies where people are literally trying to like poach I, I feel like that's a bad word but you know but like i don't know how how else to no, to describe it but like, like trying it. to steal romantic interests who are in relationships into and like how is that better right like that you really think that is more upfront and honest than me just saying to a person like yes i'm in a relationship but i that i'm still also pursuing new relationships right what? I don't understand. I don't. Yeah. And like how much you like all of the cheating and like yeah. how blatant the cheating is in this movie is ridiculous. And that everybody seems to know and it's just like, yeah, it's OK, whatever. But then 
you know, we date multiple people and suddenly like we're fucking freaks. Right. Because we know that our partners are with other people. What a concept. What what It's again, it's it's not that they fear the thing itself, it's that they fear the honesty. Yeah. They really it Right. Really it's comes like down they're afraid that. of the actually like Feeling the feelings, addressing it, talking to their partner about it, honest and open communication. Like, I don't know why all of that stuff is so scary to, like, cishet monogamous people. It's because it means you have to take a look at yourself. Right. It means looking in the mirror. And we can't admit that we have faults. Right. It just weirds me out it's so weird. much. It's so weird. And, like, it's really frustrating having so many movies... Like, and having a whole genre, like the whole rom-com genre of movies showing toxic relationships as like goals and like what you should thrive for. And yeah, it's really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. And I don't understand why we deciding to continue this. Yeah. Like I was like fully upset. When I realized they were going to end up together at the end. I was too. Because I was so, so sure. Again, like even more than when we watched Pretty in Pink, I was so sure that this was going to be a story about a best friend coming out and getting help being like their authentic self. Right. I was so sure this was going to be like 30 minutes in, Watt is like, hey... So the thing about you dating Amanda is I also have a thing for Amanda because I'm a big old fucking lesbian. Right. So did I. Um, and that then this whole movie makes sense to me. Then like the defensiveness. Right. The wanting to go on the date. The self-flagellation. All of that stuff makes sense to me if Watt is gay. Yeah. Or, you know, like trans mask or whatever. Right. But as it is, it just doesn't make any sense. And then the fact that everything is going, like, perfectly, like, well for Keith and Amanda at the end. And then suddenly she's just like, nope, that's not it. You have to go date your best friend. It totally doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It made me upset. I didn't like it. No, it really frustrated me. And, like, that's been a theme in John Hughes movies is, like, the third act just falls apart and you lose the plot completely. Yeah. And it just, like... He has a great... He's really good at doing the, like, getting into a character's head, setting a scene, like, kind of slice of life stuff. But then when any kind of, like, stakes come up or any kind of, like, plot pressure... Or anything, suddenly he just fucking chokes and the script dissolves. It's really terrible. Yeah. And it's really annoying. And it's like, has led to a bunch of movies that, like, are quote unquote classics and are held in, like, a high regard that don't really stand up. Yeah. And, like, aren't really that creative of storytelling. No. And leads a lot of really ugly, really toxic traits and tropes out in the Mm. open for people to pick up on yeah yeah and it just like i feel like john hughes needed to go to therapy more than he needed to write screenplays (laughs) for sure definitely okay speaking of like toxic things in movies that are influencing actual toxic behavior in actual human beings this whole like 
you have to practice kissing. I have to help you practice kissing. This, again, like classic lesbian maneuver. Oh, my God. So my girlfriends classic. and I, we just we just practice for when we meet a boy that we like. We're just practicing. We're just practicing. We're just we just practicing. don't sleep on the mm, Okay. Gay. Gay. So gay. So gay. I and just like, one time I want a cute. 80s romantic comedy where two girls kiss. Is that so much to ask? Yeah. Because think of the children. What if the children And see? neither of the girls die. Like, is that so much to ask? I know. Can I have a queer rom-com where no one dies? Yeah. That would be lovely. That would be fantastic. That would be amazing. I have a theory. I'm listening. About this, like best friend who's secretly in love with you but you don't notice trope yes and i feel like the idea the message in theory now i'm trying to give this as much benefit of the doubt as is possible yeah i think the message in theory is don't ignore real chemistry in favor of physical attractiveness, right? Like don't ignore what is actually a good thing for what seems like sexy and exciting. Yeah. Which is fair. That is like, you know, a real good message. And especially I think for young people, it's easy to get those priorities mixed up in your head. Absolutely. Like, Real chemistry versus sexual chemistry. Absolutely. However, creepy best friend who's around all the time and who doesn't respect boundaries, not the way to get that message across. No. no you know, it's not. like the the like the like she's all that version is better kind of because it's like this girl is beautiful on the inside and if we all just like looked at who people were instead of what their bodies look like maybe we would all have better more fulfilling relationships yeah i I still find it it's still that you need to change everything you are exactly to fit our beauty standards but yeah but it's just like I don't know. I wish there was a... I, I can't think of a teen movie that tells that message in a way that is not deceptive or toxic in some way. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I agree, you should be friends with people before you start dating them because I think that actually helps you create an actual connection with people. Right. Um, but... The constant, they're just in love with you trope. Yeah. Like, completely undermines all of these relationships and, like, and, like, makes friendships look transactional and seem transactional. Right. And it feeds into this myth that men and women can't be friends. Right. Right. And, like, there's always something more there. Yeah. Which is ridiculous and stupid and not true at all. And,. You know, I just like, again, we prioritize romantic relationships, so we don't put value into our platonic relationships. So our friendships aren't seen as as worthy and as needed and can be 
replaced with romantic feelings. Yeah. Which, like, that's not true for every relationship. A lot of best friends are just best friends and not romantic, and that's fine. Like, you're allowed to have a support system, and you're not fucking. Yeah. Like, you can rely on people and not get anything from them. And not get anything out of it, right? It doesn't have to... And not get anything out of it except for, you know, like, support and companionship. Right, exactly. Like... You, you, relationships aren't transactional and they you know they fucking take work though so I get how people are lazy about it and yeah it's just annoying we gotta talk about the boyfriend of it all oh god what's his name I don't Jens remember. Hardy Jens yeah that's fucking it Hardy Jens that's not a name that's not a name one of the grossest human beings i have seen on screen in a long time yeah fucking awful like yeah the telling her to beg and the like blatant cheating the i'd like you to keep your eyes and mind off my property oh my property yeah the way he treats her like an object is so gross. so so gross and like i know it's for film and it's like probably heightened to make him really look like an asshole yeah, and make totally. it clear but oh my the unfortunate thing is I know men like this yeah and it's just like the dripping with white male arrogance and yeah. confidence is absolutely ridiculous it's and really gross it's so gross and like rich white male energy yeah. is just the absolute worst yeah it's just, he deserved to get slapped harder than she slapped him. Definitely. Yeah, he deserved to be slapped repeatedly. I'm mad that he didn't let uh, the punk kid beat him up. <laughs> that punk kid, that's Elias Codius, who John Hughes, like, discovered. He had barely been working before this. He goes on, this might not be a big thing for you, but it was for me. He goes on in 1990 to play Casey Jones in a little movie called The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ah. <laughs> a movie that I have watched a one million times. Of course you have. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I love that character. I and was- apparently, like, a bunch of that stuff was all, like, improv and, um, yeah, made up. That's amazing. I really liked his character. I really liked this, like, tough-looking punk who's really just, like, an artistic sweet kid who's just obviously bored. With a big heart, right? Like, he immediately, like, falls in with Keith and is like, yeah, man, whatever you need, like... I got you. Yeah. And just, like, immediately gets into art. I loved this kid's whole character. Right. He just, like, you know, once again, a character that just points out that, like, most bad kids are just like bored or don't properly have their actual interests stimulated. It's almost like if detention was used to help kids instead of making sit stir. Exactly. Just punish them for being different. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Wild. Crazy. What a concept. This man is a monster. This uh, boyfriend character. He is an absolute monster. Like you... Immediately break up with anyone who is mean to service people, service industry people like this. In a heartbeat. Though, like, 
everything, the whole interaction in the gas station, I would have slapped I, him and walked and gotten out of the car yeah. then and there. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You know, like, if if you are with someone who does not treat service workers with an ounce of respect, run. Because that is so telling. Of how, of how they, they feel, feel about just people in general who can't give them anything. Right. right? Exactly. Who, like, that is it's so indicative of like a transactional relationship to human interaction of like i'm paying you therefore you have to do whatever i say and i don't need anything from you and therefore i don't have to value you in any way exactly and also you can usually tell how much they get off on being in control and power and how much it goes to their head it's another one of these gross like men who get off on control things yeah it is but don't aren't able to do it in a healthy way yeah 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 i think truly because i think this is true but i still feel gross saying it loud out loud I think for a lot of these men, the getting power and control without consent is part of it. The without consent part is what makes it exciting. The doing it against someone's will, forcing yourself on someone. I recognize the like the the peril of the territory I'm getting into here, but I mean it because I truly think that that is part of it for a lot of these controlling men oh it absolutely is like the fact that you can take whatever you want and like it's another aspect of power right and it's another aspect of control that like if you talk to men in masculine spaces they let slip very very quickly yeah and it's you know quote-unquote locker room talk like yeah it's not a very hidden fact that that's what a lot of men want. Like, yeah. look at where our society is. Look at how yeah. sexual assault is dealt with and yeah. how it's taken serious, how seriously it's taken. And, you know, how it, the system punishes victims versus abusers. Right. And a huge factor of that is because we still don't see women as people or femmes as people and anyone that they see less than they have access to all of that person right right which is absolutely disgusting totally in a really gross dehumanizing way yeah which i think is also kind of how they get away with justifying all the things that they say and do about queer people and trans people right it's because like we're not we're not really people we're predators yeah. which is like a different category of being cuz let's be real lesbians aren't predators because you can fetishize lesbians <sighs> yeah. and you know not to say that like lesbians don't get their own shit they do they you know that's not what i'm trying to dismiss at all but i think a lot of where the predatory idea comes from is because they know how dangerous the male gaze is right and they know what their gaze is and can't imagine masculine people having a different gaze than that i mean it's always it is now and has always been a fear of other dicks near what men perceive as their women Right. Right. And it's almost always a fear of 
straight men. Like it's a fear by straight men of other straight men. Yeah. Right? The whole narrative about like, well, a man could just put on a dress and go into a woman's bathroom and whatever, whatever. It's like, well, then that wouldn't be a trans person. Yeah, that's not a trans woman. So then we're not having a real conversation. You're making up a thing that is about straight men being horrible. Yeah. Right? And you're putting it on trans women because you're afraid of other Yourself. you're afraid of other dicks and yeah. trans women have those some of us. Um and it's yeah, it's just it's just really gross. I forgot what the point I was getting to was. Men are awful. Oh, but it's the same it's the same thing about grooming, right? Yeah. The grooming thing is the same fear, right? It's like uh you know, a congressman from Alabama who met his wife when she was 14 will kick and scream about how gay people are grooming children by reading them stories about how some a kid can have two dads. We're all groomed to be heterosexuals, and right. look how that turns out. It, again, it's about not looking in the mirror. Right. It's about not confronting the reality of the message you've put into the world. Because what they call grooming is us giving options. It's us existing. Yeah, and we're like we're not the ones who are putting little infants in lady killer or heartthrob t-shirts yeah. or taking our children's to Hooters because we think it's so funny and cute or yeah. telling, you know, asking any time a boy and girl are friends, are you guys together? Or, you know, telling girls you're going to have to beat the boys away when you grow up. Like, that is all on you yeah and like we don't do that shit right like if we but to acknowledge that stuff would be to acknowledge how toxic and limiting like heterosexual and like heteronormativity is in general yeah yeah i just like it i would trust my child with a drag queen over a white cis heterosexual man any day of the fucking yeah. week especially especially if he's somewhat religious yeah i'm sorry this is not like it's i'm so sick of all of the projection and all of us going it's not what's happening this is you this is you look in the goddamn mirror and it's never gonna happen and it's very frustrating yeah keith's little sister brings up a good point at one point in this movie about how like the whole family kind of revolves around him yeah. In this really obviously like misogynistic kind of gross way that I think is very true to a lot of like American families where only the male child and in the event of multiple male children, the oldest male child is given any kind of like respect or interest or attention because they're seen as the one who's like carrying on the family name. Yeah. And the family legacy and all that. Yeah. And like setting aside the whole thing we've talked about before about how like setting your kids up to uphold your legacy is like an unhealthy amount of like pressure to put on a kid. Don't do that to your children. It's not going to end well. Also, yeah, the misogyny of that child having to always be the masculine kid. And especially when you have two feminine kids who are obviously very smart and very interested 
and you just don't give a shit about their success or well-being at all because yeah. they're not a, they're not men. Yeah, put all your eggs in one basket. That's going to end well for you. Yeah. Like put all your eggs in the basket that has none of its own, own eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the pressure that was put on me to go to college and to continue my education. Yeah. Was ridiculous. And like I needed a break to figure out who I was and take the time to do that because I didn't do that in high school because I didn't have the space to do it. Totally. But I made a lot of life decisions that I think really hindered me and I regret because of the pressure I have had to go to school, to continue my education, to stay close to home, to go to school, Mm -hmm. you know. Where your brother was kind of encouraged to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. At least from my perspective, he never had that same kind of pressure. Yeah. And it felt like they let him start doing whatever the fuck he wanted when I was being told exactly who I was supposed to be and how I needed to conform to make things better. Right. And, you know, there is a pressure that is put, especially on eldest daughters, Mm -hmm. that is unique, I think. To be, like, the parent, the, like, you know, most responsible person imaginable. Right. Like, I always had to be the bigger person. Mm -hmm. I always had to... I mean, a lot of that's just oldest sibling stuff, too. But, yeah. It is. But, like, you know, as someone who had a lot of big emotions, uh, who was you know, didn't know I was bipolar or ADHD and didn't right. understand why I felt things as big as I did and mm-hmm. being told I'm overreacting and, and getting gaslit into this whole space of you are the eldest, you are the daughter, you need to have your emotions in check because mm-hmm. that is your job. Right. Your brother does not need to do that. it's your job to mitigate the emotions of the men around you. Right. Right. And because the two masculine people in my house were not emotionally stable and were known to get angry and yell and get loud and get mean. It was my job to always have to tiptoe on eggshells and keep that from happening. Emotionally regulate everyone else. Exactly. And like a kid shouldn't have to do that. Right. Like you shouldn't put, any pressure on your kids to pull your family up from whatever job is to help your kids continue to grow. Right. Right. Your kids didn't consent to like help you with your financial struggles. Yeah. You know, they're not, you didn't hire them. They're not accountants. No, it is not your teenage son's job to pull you out of poverty. Right. Yeah, you can want him to grow out of the poverty that you. Yeah, you can want better for him, but like that's not his job. Job. He's allowed to chase what makes him happy. Right. There's this scene at the school where you know before it's revealed, like it seems like Keith and um, Hardy are gonna have like a real honest open conversation. Right. It feels like oh they're actually gonna like be adults. 
And Hardy understands that, like, she's free to make her own decisions. Right. And I was like, wow, this is great. I'm so excited to see men just, like, talking about their feelings and being mature adults and being able to, like, divorce their hurt from the happiness of the other person. And then, no, violence. Always. Just a trick to perpetuate more violence. It's that's I should have fucking known. I should have known that with men... Once you scratch the surface, underneath is always just more fucking violence. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, how gross. Yeah. Like, God forbid men are able to be like, hey, I get it. She chose you. Whatever. Whatever. I still want to be friends with her. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Also... Why are you asking if you want to still be friends with the girl you used to date? Why are you asking her new boyfriend for permission? Yeah. Ask her for permission. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like that. The whole plot to just want to beat up Keith and hurt Keith. Yeah. Because because he quote unquote stole uh, Hardy's girl like is so ridiculous and so not okay. It's so ridiculous. And it's absolutely terrifying that, like, you can do anything and men will justify the use of violence for it. Right. Yeah, they're just, like, so ready to use violence to solve just literally any situation. It's, like, really terrifying It's absolutely terrifying, and I'm really really angry that it's not a conversation we are having with what our climate is right now. Right. Because that's a huge factor. Right. And like as much as America has like a violence problem and in particular a gun problem, like I think in order to address those problems, we have to first address our our violence fetishization you know like we as a culture especially as a masculine american culture like we crave and plan for and fantasize about violence and dream up situations in which violence is justifiable or acceptable and that is at the heart of the problem right it's like that is the reason that people want to hoard guns in the first place is because they have this fantasy about all of these scenarios in which violence is justified and even laudable and they need to be prepared to be lauded in the event that one of those situations arises. Yeah. I feel like I've been screaming about this forever that, you know, we need to talk about how violent men are. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of us have been screaming about this forever. And like I don't I don't know. It's it's because they're in charge and they don't actually want to listen. I know I know mm-hmm. that. But like even there are so many people who just like are in so much denial about how bad and men are and how yeah. hurt they are and how trapped they are and like how not okay they are. Right. And it's worrisome that a you find what our current code of masculinity is attractive because it's scary it's scary it's scary and to think it'll never turn against you is absolute bullshit yeah 
Okay, should we do a lightning round? Let's, I think I'm on to lightning round stuff. Let's do a lightning round. You always know your mental health is doing great when you're playing chicken with a train. <laughs> yes, things have gone great when you are routinely putting yourself moments from death. Everything is going fine. What a great way to open a movie. Also, I wrote like, this movie feels like John Hughes got a note about his movies being unrelatable because everyone is rich. And so he just like slathered on as thick a layer of like working class frosting onto the upper class story that is pretty in pink. Because it's like, there's like nine shots of train tracks and warehouses in the first two minutes of this movie. And I was like, yeah, I get it. He's poor. I understand. You don't have to show any more train tracks. It's fucking heavy handed. It's ridiculous. I love Keith's youngest sister. She's amazing. She's, she's always just like info dumping. She's, she's perfect and super smart and yeah. devastatingly funny. Keith has another one of these bedrooms from movies that we see a lot that's like insanely art directed. Yeah. Where there's like not a single spare inch of wall that's not covered in like art or posters. That I assume is meant to tell us that he is like a quirky alternative art kid. Yeah. Because, you know, if he was like a regular sports kid, he'd have like four posters strategically placed, you know? Yeah. It's just weird. But also, like, the reason I pointed out is because he has like a faux brick or faux stone pattern on the bits of bare wall that we do see. And like... A fake marble column, like yeah, a he does. faux marble column, next to his bedroom door. Like, who are who designed this bedroom? What is going on? Where did he get that column? Right. I want to know what his thought process was. Yeah, because it definitely does not seem like a thing a teenage boy would put together. No. It's a thing that an art director put together. Yeah, it looks like it belongs in a music video, not in a teenage bedroom. Right, exactly. Of course, the only kids of color we see are in the quote-unquote gang. Yeah. Oh, and you know they recruited these these kids from detention from local football teams? Of course they did. Just because they were big and intimidating looking. And like low-key intimidating looking means that most of them are black. Yeah. (laughs) That's troubling. This whole nice guy, best friend thing is not less gross coming from a woman. No, it is not. It's definitely less threatening coming from a woman. It is. Because, you know, that women don't have the same capacity for like, you know, violence inherently right as as men but like or you know necessarily like across the board as much not that they're not capable not that right yeah it still just feels really gross it's just really manipulative is the thing it's like it's so manipulative and it's you can't there's no number of like niceness tokens that you can put into a person that will turn them into a romantic relationship it just doesn't work that way yeah that's not how it works And And that's, like, a really shitty way to look at relationships with other people. It really is. And, like, why? And it just, like, really upsets me that our friends, like, 
I've had this happen before where I've had friends who I thought were just friends were romantically interested in me. Yeah. And like it always makes made me feel like my friendship wasn't enough. Right. That like what I was willing to offer and who I was was not enough. Yeah. Or not like, you know, and just like you would rather throw away what we have at a chance to get your dick mm-hmm. wet than keep a friendship that, right, you know, that's already going great and like yeah. we, you know, have a lot in common. And yeah, yeah. And it's just absolutely ridiculous to me and it really pisses me off. Yeah. Don't hit on your teachers. Don't hit on your teachers. They are at work. You are a child. Who's this? Amanda flirts with the principal to get out of detention and is like touching his tie and telling him she likes his hair. And he like totally falls for it, which, ew, gross. gross. She's a child. She's a child. To like, yes, I am for the use of you using men's stupidity to get you things. Sure. Like, that is your right. Not when you are a teenager and they are a grown man. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. You're like, not to do the victim blaming, but you're asking for trouble and bad things could come your way. Yeah, it's not great. Much like Pretty in Pink, this is a movie where the rich and popular kids have to ice out anyone who associates with someone who is not in their social class. Right. It's like, this is the insulating nature of classism where rich people are only allowed to associate with other rich people and are therefore insulated from the, you know, effects of poverty. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, It's such a power move to call your parents by their first name. Right. I always wished that I had had the guts to call my parents by their first names because that, yeah, it's such a power move. It's such a great power move. We have another moment of great sibling relationships uh, where Keith's middle sister overhears Hardy's plan to beat him up. And like, even though she knows it's going to break his heart, she does the right thing and tells him what she heard for his safety. Right. Even though she like, they clearly fight and don't get along all the time. Yeah. Like that was really sweet. And it was yeah, really good, good sibling. to see. Yeah. I love a good sibling relationship. John Hughes and art museums. He has a problem. Yeah, he does. That said, this like after hours nighttime art museum, this is my perfect date. That sounds if like a any dream potential date. suitors are listening and you want to take me on a romantic date, museum after dark, after everyone has left, um, that's perfect. I love museums. I hate people. Sign me up. Museums in general, just take me. Yeah. I love museum dates. They're my favorite. Yeah. There's a lot of talk between Watts and Keith about like how he should be grateful that his parents care at all and are pushing him to do. And like, yes, he should. Like if you, when you are, at least you do have parents that are trying to push you. Right. But supportive parents can also be toxic and abusive. And, like, telling people they should be grateful just because someone at least is looking out for them is not super helpful. Yeah. Sometimes some of us wished we had it the other way. Right, right, yeah. Like, like I I know the grass is always greener on the other side and all that, but, you know, don't downplay people's frustrations when they're talking about family because 
family is tough. Yeah, right. Okay, my last one is just this whole concept that Keith took all of his savings to buy a pair of diamond earrings to give to a girl that he barely knows on a first date and then tells her it's his entire future yeah. and that she he wants her to have it. Ooh. On a first date. Yeah. That is some I'm going to kill you and wear your skin type behavior. Yeah. Also, don't put your future in other people's hands. It is your fucking future. Right. Well, because then when he she gives him back the earrings and then we have this whole like scene with Watts and he says, my future looks good on you, which made me like barf in my mouth for a thousand years. Yeah. Because like, like you said, you cannot put that kind of pressure on people, especially when you're 17 and 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know forever feels like, Oh, not that long of a time when you're 17. But it is. It is. And, and your future means a lot more than one romantic relationship. It does. It means a lot more than dozens of romantic relationships over the course of decades and decades. Like, lives are big and complicated, and your future is not a person. No, your future is something that you make and you work for and you produce, not other people. <laughs> <laughs> 